From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Grace Warner. And I'm Abby Grzee. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Coming up, we'll tell you why the Athens area was busier than normal this weekend. Also, Grace and I sit down for an interview with one of journalism's finest editors around. We'll give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. A favorite event among students and local residents alike is the Paw Paw Festival, which takes place every year in mid-September. Our host, Abby, attended to find out more about this peculiar little fruit. It's a humid, cloudy Sunday at Lake Snowden in Albany. The area is dotted with tents filled with vendors selling various products, children running around, a stage with a band playing live music, and a large beer tasting area. But this isn't a music festival or even a state fair. All of this is dedicated to one special fruit. It's the annual Paw Paw Festival. It was started 18 years ago by Chris Smeal. There are tons of really great pawpaws like around this area and they were just like laying on the ground rotting and I really enjoyed them and so just felt like trying to create some value there. The pawpaw is North America's largest native tree fruit and it's actually the state native fruit of Ohio. There are millions of trees all over the eastern United States. It has vibrant green skin speckled with brown flecks. On the inside, you'll find soft yellow flesh dotted with large black okay. seeds. Um, just kind of like mush this in your mouth. There's a seed there and you suck the pulp off the seed and you don't eat the skin. The flavor of the pawpaw is actually quite tropical. Most people will tell you it tastes like a mix of mango and banana, but others say there are also notes of papaya, pineapple, and even pear. So, if it's a fairly common fruit in the area and actually pretty tasty, why isn't this fruit more popular? It's got a very short shelf life for stars and just a short time that it's available. It's really maybe four to six weeks at the most you can actually harvest it. And it's so delicate, it just doesn't last long. That's Michelle Gorman. She helped start the festival with Chris. The pawpaw only lasts two to three days at room temperature, but many people have found ways to make it last much longer. There are jarred products such as pawpaw chutney and jam, as well as frozen pawpaw pulp that can be used in smoothies and baked goods, as well as in beer. Many people, like Columbus resident and festival volunteer Charles Goulden, say this is the only opportunity they have to enjoy this fruit. I can't get it in uh, Columbus as much. But thankfully for festival goers and volunteers like Charles, there are tons of pawpaw options at the festival. Each food vendor is required to have at least one pawpaw item on the menu, resulting in a multitude of choices. There's pawpaw waffles, pawpaw pico de gallo, pawpaw tamales, pawpaw pizza, pawpaw lemonade, and many other items. And the pawpaw beer is a favorite among locals and visitors alike. Who doesn't want a beer? And it's so easy, hey, I'm pouring you a beer. Uh, it's pretty easy work, people are happy. Arnold Jonas has been volunteering at the Pawpaw Festival every year for over a decade. 
He usually volunteers to serve beer on Sundays. He feels it's a great way for the community to come together. I look at this festival as kind of a reunion. People I know that I haven't seen you know, for a year, hey, I'll see you, pop by, and we all get together here again. This one unassuming fruit has existed for hundreds of years. And around this time of year, it has a pretty substantial impact on the region and its inhabitants. The Pawpaw Festival is just evidence of what a special place Athens really is. For The Outlet, I'm Abby Grise. The Black Alumni Reunion, which is almost a three-decade-long tradition, was held the weekend of September 15th through the 18th. Outlet reporter Maddie Staley will give you the details about the events that took place, as well as the people who attended. Inside the Baker Ballroom, the gospel sound of the Christian student organization Anointed Ministries filled the room that was packed with hundreds of people in town for the Black Alumni Reunion Weekend. They, along with many other groups, performed at the Variety Show on Saturday, the last night of the reunion. This year, the reunion ran from September 15th through the 18th. It's a more than 30-year-old tradition at Ohio University. It is hosted every three years and welcomes back more than 500 alums. OU sophomore George Pearson sees the importance in continuing the Black Alumni Reunion. I think the reunion is such a big part of OU because um, it gives alumni a chance to come back and enjoy those times they had here at OU, really like visit old places they hung out with, see some old friends keep in touch and uh, keep, in, keep their youth intact. The Black Alumni Reunion also gives students the chance to network with alumni. 1982 grad Carol Lindsay said that her favorite part of the reunion is getting the chance to reconnect with old friends and to connect with the current students. Particularly here, um, people of color were kind of dispersed and to be able to come together and spend time and say we did it and remember those times because we came from a time when it really was different. Um, it's just gratifying and wonderful. The Living Legacy Gala was hosted on Friday, September 16th in the Baker Ballroom. One of those legacies that was honored was alumnus and the first African-American president of OU, President Roderick J. McDavis. McDavis was awarded with the 2016 Diversity and Inclusion Medal of Excellence at the gala. In his time at OU, President McDavis increased the enrollment of African-American students by more than 100% and implemented the Ohio University Diversity Initiative. With McDavis having such a huge part in impacting the diversity on OU's campus, there is concern that the reunion will not continue to be as successful. Um, I feel like there's a good uh, base set up with people like Ebony Porter, who's in the College of Business, and uh, Jamie Patton's in the College of Education. So there's also there's all there's a lot of Black alumni who are actually here working, who should be able to keep this going. So hopefully they do. Um, Earlier this was set up for what, the summer this year, and they, they were able to switch that to the fall. So hopefully they can make some changes around and keep it going. Senior Nate Brown was referring to one year ago when the reunion was originally scheduled to take place on July 28th through the 31st. Alumni in the student body were upset because they felt that having the reunion in the summer months wouldn't give all students a chance to attend. A petition was created and the date was moved to this fall because of the 700 people who signed it. 
With such a strong student body, alumni, and faculty, people are confident the reunion will carry forward in years to come. No, I'm not worried because I feel like whoever the next president is is going to respect the black alumni group and keep the tradition alive. A tradition that brings together old friends, creates new connections, and ultimately strengthens the Bobcat family tree. For The Outlet, I'm Maddie Staley. Executive editor of the Washington Post and one of the journalists who inspired the movie Spotlight, Marty Baron, spoke to Ohio University journalism students on September 20th. He was presented the Carr Van Anda Award for outstanding journalism. While he was in the Athens area, myself and Abby had the opportunity to ask him a few questions. Take a listen. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to be interviewed. We're so excited. <coughs> sure, happy to do it. So um, coming out of college, we read that you um, started at the Miami Herald. What was that like for you, your first job out of college? Uh, well, I was certainly happy to have a job. Um, <laughs> and uh, you never know coming out of college what's going to happen. But for uh, sure. I had that. And it was a town. I started working for the Miami Herald, uh, not in Miami, but in a small town uh, a couple of hours north of Miami, a town called Stewart. And the town had uh, only 12,000 people living in it, and wow, the entire wow. county, Martin County, had only 50,000 people living in it. And uh, I, along with a colleague, were responsible for producing a full page of news and photographs six uh, days a week. And so it was uh, a lot of work, and there was not a lot of news in a town of that size. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, when they <laughs> twin the theater, that was big news. <laughs> so you've had several editor positions. Um, so I'm curious, from an editor's perspective, what do you think makes a good reporter? Uh, well, I think uh, we always want people who are curious about the world, uh, people who are intellectually curious. Uh, people who are not so impressed by what they already know, but more impressed with what they still have to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, you want people who have the right skills. Um, that is, they have a good command of the, they have a good command of the language. They know how to report. They know how to write. Uh, they know how to interview. Uh, and these days, also, you want people who are skilled at um, some of the, you know, the new, with the new tools that we have today. So, mm -hmm. video, audio understand social media, um, people who are enterprising. You know, but ultimately you look for people who, you know, notwithstanding all the new tools, you look for people who have uh, good ideas, uh, mm -hmm. just good story ideas. They come up with creative approaches. Right. Spotlight has inspired, um, I know me personally, when I saw it for the first time, I was such, um, I had such a burning passion to um, go back to class and learn more in my journalism classes. Um, it's inspired me as well as many other young journalists. So um, have you seen a shift or a change in the way journalism is kind of presented since the movie came out? I feel like they did a pretty good job of um, depicting journalists in mm -hmm. the movie Spotlight. Yeah, I think I think the movie was quite quite authentic, and and I know that the uh, the director Tom McCarthy and his co-writer on the movie Josh mm -hmm. Singer worked very hard to uh, achieve uh, a high degree of authenticity in the movie, and I. I think that it was it was spot on. Uh, I've been heartened by how it's inspired, 
young journalists, people who are studying to become journalists, mm-hmm. uh, people who are at the beginning of their career, and also people who've uh, been in this career for quite some time. Right. And uh, I do think that it gives a, uh, a very accurate picture of how investigative reporting is conducted, uh, what it takes to do it right. Uh, I hope that it also helps persuade the public that uh, mm-hmm. journalism is necessary. That while we may be an imperfect profession, and we, indeed we are, like every other profession, uh, but that we serve an absolutely essential role 100%. in a uh, democracy. Yeah, yep. Right. And then lastly, so when the scandal of the Catholic Church came out and you guys published everything, I was five, Grace was seven, so I really did personally find out about everything through watching the movie. So what is that like, having a whole slew of aspiring journalists know this story now and look up to you because of that? Uh, Well, it's a little strange, I have to say that. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I'm not accustomed to, uh, prior to this movie coming out, people were not asking to have selfies with me. I'm sure. Were not asking me to sign, you know, to have an autograph, uh, which (laughs) will not be worth anything in the long run. But... um, you know, it's it's strange. I mean, the, the I, you know, I went to the the Boston Globe in the summer of 2001, and our stories were published in the in uh, starting on January 6th of 2002, mm-hmm. and we won the Pulitzer Prize for public service for that work mm-hmm. in 2003. So this story has been out there for quite some time, and obviously it received uh, a lot of recognition within the journalism profession. Notwithstanding that, there are many people within the profession and certainly among the public who were not aware of how this uh, this work was done. But, you know, popular culture really makes a difference, and, and a lot more people go to the movies than actually pay attention to who won the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> For sure. And, sure. So, uh, and this movie took a long time to make. It was seven years from the time we were first approached mm. till the day that this movie actually appeared on screen. And um, so it was... It was an incredibly long process, and it's unusual that here's a story that had an impact so many years ago, and, that is on, and the story behind that story is only now being recognized. So uh, this is not this is not a movie that uh, most that I or my former colleagues really expected mm-hmm. to be made, mm-hmm. and so it's I guess taken us by surprise, but it's been gratifying, uh, especially gratifying because it's had the kind of effect that you were talking about earlier, and that is that it's inspired it's inspired uh, a new generation of journalists. And I also think, importantly, it's made a lot of people who've been in the profession for a long time feel really good about the kind of work they do. Right, for sure. Well, it was so great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day um, to talk with us, and we really enjoyed it. Great. Well, my pleasure. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced and co-hosted each week by me, Grace Warner, and Abby Grizay. We're edited by Atish Badia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore W-O-U-B. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening.